Hello, welcome to The Wire Podcast. My name is Ryan, and today I am going to be recapping and discussing everything that happened in college football and the NFL over the last week. We had a lot of great games this week, and honestly, I'm not sure we're ever going to have a bad game of football ever again. I swear every game that has been played in college football and the NFL so far has been really, really good. We've had a ton of tight games, a ton of just really great games, crazy finishes. It's been awesome. As a football fan, I've loved it, and I hope you have too. But let's go ahead and not waste any time and jump into what happened in college football this week. Um, Starting off with the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, I have not talked about the Georgia Bulldogs at all this season. I haven't talked about them on my podcast yet. So I want to go ahead and take some time to talk about them because they have been absolutely incredible. And this weekend, they defeated South Carolina uh, by a score of 48-7 at home. They dominated them. I watched this game. It was not a very good game. Georgia just crushed uh, South Carolina. They were incredible. And this gives them their third win of the season. They're 3-0 this year. And they, like I said earlier, they've been incredible, winning all three games by at least 30 points, including a dominant 49-3 victory against Oregon in Week 1. Now, I'm not sure how good Oregon is this year, but they just got a big win against BYU, so maybe they are a good team, and if so, that is a huge win for Georgia. Um, But they've been really, really good, both offensively and defensively. Uh, They rank third in points scored per play. And they rank fourth in points per play allowed from their opponents. Um, So they've been great on offense and defense, very efficient on both sides of the ball. And they rank second in points per play margin, which is really, really good. I believe they rank second behind Michigan, who has had a very weak schedule. Um, They have some really, really good players on their roster. Stetson Bennett is having another big year. He's been really good. And and their tight end room is incredible, and it's led by Brock Bowers, who's a sophomore. And that dude is a monster. He's 19 years old. He's younger than I am. I'm 20, and that dude's younger than me, and he is is just a behemoth. A little bit of a voice crack there, but we'll move through. Yeah, he's a behemoth. He is an absolute stud. He's been incredible. Their defense has been awesome. I thought their offense might struggle a a little bit this year because they lost a lot of pieces. They lost some offensive linemen. They lost both of their running backs. They lost George Pickens. Um, And so I knew like they were going to be replacing a lot of guys on offense. And I thought, you know, maybe they take a step back. Maybe Stetson Bennett isn't able to thrive in this different situation. But that hasn't been the case. They've been very good offensively. And Stetson Bennett has honestly just been better than ever before. He's been really, really good this year. And and, and the Bulldogs are dominating. And, and I think they are just quite easily the best team in the country right now. Uh, I don't really think it's close. Uh, they've been dominant. I know that their schedule hasn't been super hard yet. They haven't really played an elite team so far. But they've been dominant against the teams they've played, uh, and they have a big win against Oregon, in which they won uh, by 40, uh, 46 points. Like, that is insane. They're an elite team, and I think they are the best team in college football. And I think it shows up in the stats. They rank number one in a lot of advanced stats, including ESPN's FPI or Football Power Index, which measures teams' efficiency on offense, defense, and special teams. 
and they rank number one in team rankings, predictive rankings. So there's a website called Team Rankings, and they have a metric, which is basically a predictive ranking uh, of, for each team, and Georgia ranks number one in that stat. Um, so they rank number one in these important metrics, um, and, and and like I said, like the results speak for themselves. They've been dominant. They're they're 3-0. They're winning every game by over 30 points. They're just a dominant team. And they're really good. They're really good on both sides of the ball. Um, and I think they are going to be. They're 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 likely going to win the national championship if they keep playing like this. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they play against teams like Kentucky and Tennessee. Uh, I'm really interested to see that Georgia Tennessee game because Tennessee has a high powered offense. And I think it would be very interesting to see Georgia go up against Alabama, which they likely will in the SEC championship. Uh, just to see Georgia go up against a high powered offense, that'll be really interesting to see how their defense fares in that kind of matchup. Uh, but right now, Georgia's all, Georgia's playing extremely well, and they are, uh, they are taking over college football right now. All right, now let's move on and talk about Penn State dominating Auburn for a huge win on the road. This weekend, Penn State dominated Auburn. They destroyed them, winning 41-12 in Jordan-Hare. This was a huge win for Penn State. Uh, This was actually a competitive game in the first half. Penn State was up 7-3 after the first quarter, and then they took a 14-6 lead uh, into halftime. Now, the second half was all Penn State, as they went on a 27-6 run to win by 29 points. They were awesome in the third quarter specifically, outscoring the Tigers 17-0 to go up 31-6. And this was a huge win for Penn State, as they are now 3-0, coming off a road win versus an SEC opponent. Auburn may not be very good, and I think that's likely the case, but the fact that Penn State uh, dominated them is a good sign that they are probably a good team. Uh, I gotta give a huge shout out to uh, Penn State's freshman running back, Nicholas Singleton, who had 10 carries for 124 yards and two touchdowns. He was incredible in this game, and for him to perform that well at such a young age and such a a hard environment to play in was very impressive in my opinion. I also got to give a shout out to Penn State's to Penn State's defense, which recorded six, ten, uh, sorry six sacks and nine quarterback hits. Their pass rush was dominant in this game, and that was the, one of the biggest issues for Auburn. Their offensive line really really struggled in this game. Auburn can never really get anything going offensively. And the main reason why is because their offensive line struggled mightily. Uh, They were giving up pressure all the time. I actually read a stat on Twitter, um, I think like on Sunday after the game, that said that, that Auburn allowed, it was either 35 or 36 total pressures, which is unbelievable. Like that is an unbelievably high number. That's terrible. Auburn's got to clean it up on their offensive line. And I want to talk about Auburn a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure you can, if you can tell. I'm an Auburn fan. I've worn Auburn Auburn shirts and videos I've made. I have an Auburn poster. You can probably tell I'm an Auburn fan. I'm a diehard Auburn fan. Um, so I want to talk about, about them a little bit. Um, talk about why they struggled. And I think, you know, the biggest reason why they struggled offensively is their offensive line. But also because 
we're just not very good, and we don't really know who our quarterback is. TJ Finley was our starter in this game, but he struggled. He had a, a few turnovers, or a few, I don't know if he had a few turnovers. He had a pick, and then he fumbled the ball a lot. I don't remember if he lost any of those, any of those fumbles. Um, so we can never get anything going with him. And then we brought in Robbie Ashford, who is who is a transfer from Oregon. Um, he hasn't really played much uh, outside of this season. Um, he's, he was a baseball player and a football player at Oregon. And he came into the game, and, and we kind of gave him the uh, control of the offense in the second half. Um, and he, he did pretty well uh, early. But then he, he had a really bad interception on a third and long where we were forced to throw the ball. And he, he had a really bad pick there. Um, but our offense just wasn't good in this game. I don't know why we didn't give Tank Bigsby more carries. He had like nine touches in this game. Let me look it up. He had a, a, a ridiculously low number of, uh, of touches. So let me look real quick. Um, so he had nine carries and two receptions. So he had 11, 11 touches. For as good as Tank Bigsby is, that is criminal. Like, he should be touching the ball 20 times every day. And that's a minimum. He should be touching the ball a minimum of 20 times every game. I don't know why we're not using him. He is a, a crazy good football player. He's one of the best players in the conference. And we just aren't using him uh, uh, nearly enough. It's crazy. I don't know why we're doing it, but it's wild. Um, for whatever reason, we're not using them. It's ridiculous. I also want to talk about our defense, which wasn't very good. I mean, obviously, we allowed 41 points. Um, but our defense was really bad, especially on third down. That's where we really struggled. Um, I didn't think Penn State's offense was that dominant. Um, they, didn't ha they didn't have a ton of big plays like through the air. They had a, a, a few big plays on the ground because Nicholas Singleton is apparently the next coming of uh, Christ because uh, he was incredible. But, like, they didn't have a ton of big plays through the air. Um, but our defense just couldn't stop them on third down, and that was a major issue. I think that's a huge reason why um, we, we were struggling in this game defensively. But, yeah, big win for Penn State, winning 41-12 on the road against an SEC opponent. Huge win for them, and I can't wait to see what they do throughout the season. They look, they look like a really good team, and this is a huge win for them. All right, now let's talk about what are the crazier games we saw in college football this week, and that is Syracuse beating Purdue after an insane fourth quarter. So this weekend, Syracuse beat Purdue 32-29 after both teams combined for 42 points in the fourth quarter alone. That fourth quarter was unbelievable. And the last few minutes of this game were insane. And we're going to look at the play-by-play. -play. Um, so much happened in this fourth quarter that I couldn't remember it. And I, I need to look at the play-by-play -play so we can fully understand what happened uh, in that final quarter. So let me go to the to the play-by-play. -play. Can I see it? Can I please see it? Uh, let me go to see. I don't know. what The ESPN app is garbage. It's nowhere near as good as the CBS Sports app. I don't know why this is such a struggle for me to find this game and to find the play-by-play. -play. Can I please do it? Thank you. Thank you, CBS. So, at the end of the game, we're looking at the fourth quarter. Um, so, at the beginning, Syracuse scored a touchdown to make the score 18-15. to 
Um, and they act, I'm trying to see, did they, did they take the lead? I think they took the lead. Actually, I think they made it. No, they were still losing at this point. Um, losing by three. And then they threw a pick six to go down 25 to 15. Um, which was crazy. Uh, no, sorry. Am I tripping? I'm tripping. Syracuse was up 18 to 15 on that touchdown. Then they, they scored a pick six to go up 25 to 15. Then Purdue scored a touchdown to make the score 25 to 22. Then Syracuse punted. Um, and then, uh, Purdue drove down the field, had a chance to tie the game, but they missed a field goal. Um, and so they were still down by three. And this, there was only a few minutes left in the game at this point. And so uh, Syracuse had a chance to run to run the ball a few times, drain some clock, maybe end the game here, or potentially, um, you know, maybe they would have to give up the ball with only a few minutes left. But neither of those things happened. They had like a, they had a three and out and had to punt the ball right back to Purdue. And Purdue took advantage of that. And they went down and scored a touchdown to go up 29 to 25. Um, and it, and there were only, um, there was a short amount of time left in the game a- after this. There was only 51 seconds left, and I was watching the game at this point, and I thought the game was over. I thought there's no way uh, Syracuse is going to come back and score. I would be really, really surprised. Um, but that's what they did. They drove down the field, uh, and they scored a touchdown to win 32 to 29. The end of that fourth quarter was absolutely ridiculous. It was insane. Um, a lot of back and forth there. Um, but yeah, it was crazy. Uh, the, the fact that Syracuse won is pretty surprising based on the stats. Looking at the team stats, um, Purdue had 486 total yards of offense, and Syracuse had 306 total yards of offense. So, um, Syracuse got uh, got outgained offensively by by 180 yards. That like with that, that's pretty surprising that they won. Um, and I'm trying to see, did they have any turnovers? Purdue did have one turnover that pick six, and that kind of changed the game at the end of the fourth quarter. I know after that they had a back and forth, but that that turnover made it a double digit uh, game in favor of Syracuse. So that just shows you how important turnovers are, or how big they are, and how how they can change um, the tide of a game. Uh, I want to talk about some individual performances uh, from this game, and I want to talk about, I want to start off with Syracuse, and um, start out with with one of their receivers, Oronde Gadsden, who was really, really good in this game. He had six receptions for 112 yards and and two touchdowns. He was really, really good. Um, Besides, like, other, other than him, not a lot of players were that great in this game. Uh, For Syracuse, Garrett Schrader, their quarterback, was pretty good. He had 17 carries for 83 yards on the ground. Also had 181 passing yards, 3 touchdowns, 0 interceptions, and only had 1 sack. Um, So he was decent. Um, I want to talk about Purdue, though. They had a few strong performances from their starting quarterback and one of their top receivers. Aiden O'Connor was awesome, uh, throwing for 424 yards, 3 touchdowns, and 1 interception. And then their top receiver, Charlie Jones, was absolutely ridiculous in this game. He recorded 11 receptions for 188 yards and one touchdown. He was awesome. Um, another guy, Payne Durham, their tight end, he was pretty good. He had eight receptions for 71 yards and one touchdown. 
He was pretty good. But yeah, this was a wild game with a, with a crazy ending. We saw some pretty good individual performances in, in this game. But yeah, the ending was wild. And this was one of the best games we saw in college football this weekend. Alright, now let's move on to one of the other um, crazy games we saw in, in college football this weekend. And that is App State shocking Troy with a last second Hail Mary. This was a wild game. App State beat Troy 32-28. And heading into this matchup, App State was a two-touchdown favorite. But uh, Troy made this a tight game the whole way through. Troy was actually ahead 21-14 at halftime of this game, uh, but, the Mountain, but the Mountaineers outscored the Trojans 10-0 in the third quarter uh, to take a 24-21 lead into, going into the fourth quarter. Uh, Troy scored a touchdown early in the fourth to go ahead 28-24. Then something weird happened. At the end of the game, they, uh, they had the ball late, um, and they were trying to run clock, but for whatever reason, they decided to take a safety, and at this point, they were up by five, and they took a safety, and I, for, I don't know why they did this, but what this did is this made it a three-point game, so now all App State had to do was kick a field goal to tie the game and send it to overtime, Um and this was a baffling decision. I don't know why they did this. This made zero sense whatsoever. I don't know why they did this, but they did. Um, App State got the ball. And now, like, after after the safety, you punt the ball on a kickoff rather than doing a regular kickoff. So, per, uh, so App State got good field position. And something wild happened here. Uh, they, they had a last-second field goal. They threw the ball down the field. And the ball didn't get, even get to the end zone. It got to like the five-yard line. But uh, a receiver for App State tipped the ball up. He came down with it, ended up running into the end zone to win the game 32-28. to This was a wild game. A huge win for App State. College game day was actually in Boone, North Carolina, where Appalachia State's uh, campus is located. Uh, they, were, they were here for this game. And the fact that it ended up coming down to the last play to a last-second Hail Mary, it's just so cool. I think it's awesome that these two small schools got to enjoy this this uh, this moment. Um, and, and I think that's really, really cool. That's what college football is all about. Um, and I, I thought this game was incredible. Big win for App State. They're 3-0 now. They're, no, actually, sorry. They lost um, against North Carolina, so they are... 2-1 on the season, right? Let me go ahead and make sure uh, I got that correct. Yeah, they were 2-1 this year. They're having a really good year. They're a really good team. They got a really good offense. Uh, another big win for them. Being able to, to get it done at home against Troy. Awesome for them. Um, big win for the Appalachian State Mountaineers. Alright, let's go ahead and go through the other big, big games that we had in college football this weekend. Um, let me move over to the ESPN app and see the top 25 games. Let's see, is it going to work? The app's being a little bit slow. Let's see, can we work with me here, ESPN? Work with me. Alright, it's going to take a minute. Hold up. Alright, let's go top 25 games. Let's see. There were, uh, there were three big games that I wanted to talk about. I'm not going to do a deep dive into them. I just want to talk about the scores a little bit. Um, the first being Washington 
taking down um, Michigan State. This was a huge win for Washington, um, and they dominated Michigan State in this game. They won uh, 39-28. The final score was closer than the game actually was. Washington State dominated Michigan State at home. Michael Penix, uh, he played well. He was really, really good in this game. He's been great all year. And Washington is now undefeated. They're 3-0. They got a big win under under their belt. Um, And they look like one of the best teams in the Pac-12 right now. Huge win for Washington. And I can't wait to see what they do moving forward this season. They look like a really good team led by Michael Penix. Another game I wanted to talk about a little bit was Miami versus Texas A&M. Texas A&M beat Miami at home 17-9, and this was a big win for Texas A&M, coming off a devastating loss versus Appalachia State last week. Um, They got a big win at home. Um, and this, like, A&M is a really, they have a really good defense, and they have the last two years. Their defense has been elite, but their offense has not been very good, um, and they just aren't a great team. They're, they're a good team, but not a great team, and the fact that Miami lost despite only allowing 17 points is kind of embarrassing. Like, come on, Miami. They couldn't score over 10, they, they couldn't even score double digits in this game. Come on, Miami. Um, A&M, they actually uh, started Max Johnson, who is their backup quarterback. Uh, their starter, Haynes King, has just hasn't had a good year this year. So they rolled with Max, Max Johnson in this game. Um, and he, he wasn't anything special, um, but they were able to get it done, winning 17-9 at home. Big home victory for Texas A&M. And the final game I want to talk about is BYU-Oregon. This was probably the game of the week heading into it. Um, we, we had number 12 BYU taking on number 25 Oregon. This was a home game for Oregon. And Oregon dominated BYU winning 41-20 at home. Huge win for the Ducks. After the Georgia game, I thought, you know, maybe Oregon just isn't a very good team this year. But after this week, I don't know what to think. I mean, this was a big win for Oregon. BYU was looking like a very good team, and Oregon just dominated them at home. This was a huge win for them. Um, Winning by three touchdowns, that's huge. Uh, So shout out to Oregon, getting a big win at home over BYU. Um, And now... They uh they look like one of the one of the better teams in the Pac-12. The Pac-12 actually looks pretty decent this year. We got USC, Oregon State, Washington, uh, Washington State, Oregon. Like we have a ton of good teams. Uh, Utah, they'll they'll they're still a really good team. Uh, the Pac-12 looks like they might be legit this year. They they may not be the worst conference in the Power Five. Um, but that's all I have to say for college for college football this week. Had a lot of um, a lot of great games. Actually, before I move on to the NFL, do want to say we have big news coming out of Arizona State. Herm Edwards, the head coach for Arizona State, has been fired. Uh, that news came out earlier this week, so I did want to mention that. Uh, if you didn't know that, now you do. Um, but yeah, that that pretty much is everything I wanted to talk about regarding college football. Now let's move on to the NFL. Um, and starting off, I want to talk about this crazy uh, Chargers-Chiefs game. And the Chiefs game uh, on Thursday last week, the Chiefs took down the Chargers uh, with the help of a, of a late uh, pick six. This was a big one for the Chiefs. They won 27-24. Uh, to 24. This was a big win for them. 
Um, this was a really good game with a crazy ending. Late in the fourth quarter, the Chargers had the ball near the goal line with a chance to take the lead as the score was 17-17. Unfortunately, Justin Herbert threw a pick six, giving the Chiefs a 24-17 lead. Um, this was pretty much the end of the game, uh, but something crazy happened at the end of the fourth quarter. Justin Herbert got hurt. He fell on a guy's helmet and, and fractured his rib cartilage. I've never heard of this injury, but it, it obviously hurt him because he could barely play, but he stayed in the game. He still played. Um, he was like clearly in a lot of pain, um, and he ended up throwing a touchdown pass um, to make the game uh, to make this a tight game at the end of the game. Um, but the Chiefs, they ended up going up double digits at, at the end of the game. They ended up going up by 10. And then the Chargers scored a touchdown um, in the final minute of the game to make it a three-point game. They kicked an onside kick, couldn't recover it. Um, and then the Chiefs ran the clock out. So, I want to go through the box score a little bit. Um... And then I'll, I'll talk. I want to go on a little bit of a rant here. I, I ha, it's time for a rant. It's time for me to go on a rant. But I want to talk about some individual performances. Um, I want to talk about Mike Williams. Mike Williams was dominant in that first half. Now I don't remember him doing a, a a dang thing in the second half, but in the first half he was incredible, recording eight receptions for 113 yards and one touchdown. And he he had some crazy catches in this game. He had multiple wild catches. Um, he was really, really good. Uh, Justin Herbert was good as well. He had 334 passing yards for three passing touchdowns and one interception. Um, their defense didn't really do much. They didn't have uh, too many crazy and individual performances. But I want to move, move over to the Kansas City side and talk about some of their guys who played well. Um, Patrick Mahomes was okay in this game. He had 235 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, and zero interceptions. One thing I want to mention is that both of these guys, Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes, had a lot of bad throws in this game. They had a ton of bad uh, decisions. Um, they, they, they could have thrown a lot of interceptions in this game, but they ended up only throwing one pick, and that was that pick six that kind of sealed the game late, late in this game. Um, but the decision-making from these two quarterbacks was honestly terrible in this game, and that's something I wanted to point out. Um, I wanted to talk about Chris Jones a little bit. He was incredible in this game. He had two sacks. I wanted to see, did he have um, any quarterback hits? Let me see. Let me see. Um, come on, ESPN. Let me see. Let me go to the Thursday night game real quick. The CBS Sports app does not have quarterback hits in their box score. Let's see. Chargers Chiefs. Alright, so in this game, Chris Jones, like I said, he had two sacks. Uh, mentioned that. And then he had uh, two tackles for loss, one pass defended, and two QB hits. What a strong performance from him. He was incredible. He was easily the best defender on the field that night. He was incredible. Um, did, did a great job of rushing the passer in this game. He was awesome. And this was a, a great game uh, to start the week off. A big win for the Chiefs. They're 2-0 on the season. And this was a big win, especially considering that the Chargers are a divisional opponent. It's a big win for them. Um, I mentioned that I wanted to go on a little bit of a rant here, and I do. I got to talk about Brandon Staley. 
So, um, we all know who Brandon Staley is. And we all know that he is famous for being super aggressive. He loves to go for it on fourth down. Um, he's super aggressive, very analytical. And last year, it was like, he made it known to everybody. In that game against the Chiefs late in the year, he went for it on fourth down like five times. He even went for it on a fourth and short, deep in his own territory. Uh, I think they were on like the 20 yard, the Chargers 20 yard line. Um, and it was, they had a fourth and short and they were down by, I believe, three at that point, And he went for it. Um, and, and, and so he's just a super aggressive coach. And in this game, he wasn't. He was very conservative. He had a lot of opportunities where he probably should have gone for it, where, where it was like an advantageous spot for him to go for it. Um, and he did it and he ended up punting. And I was just disappointed. And, and like, there were multiple situations where he was like, either at the 50 or maybe at the Chiefs' 45-yard line with, like, a fourth and short. And those are opportunities where you you probably should go for it just to make the most of your drives and to give yourself more scoring opportunities. But he punted, and he, he did go for it two times. I will give him credit for that. He did go for it uh, on fourth down twice, and he got it both times. Uh, but I think he had more opportunities to go for it. And, and he didn't take the opportunity. And I think it hurt the Chargers in this game. Because the Chargers were rolling early in this game. They got out to a 10-0 lead. And I think if, let's say the Chargers are able to extend some of those drives and put the ball in the end zone, then we're ta- then this, is, this game has a totally different outcome. Um, but he didn't give them that opportunity because he punted the ball away. And I was very disappointed to see that. And this leads to a big issue I have with football coaches in general. I think football coaches are way too conservative. They are not aggressive enough. And and coaches, I think, should go for it on fourth down way more often than they do. Um, I think we saw this was a huge issue for uh, for the Falcons in week one against the Saints. They had multiple opportunities where they could have gone for it late in the game on fourth and short in Saints territory, and they ended up punting. Um, and, and all that did was just give the Saints an, um, more opportunities to come back in the game. And, and, this, and the Falcons could have easily ended the game if they just would have gone for it on fourth down and gotten it, but they didn't take that chance. And there's obviously risk, risk there. You've got to look at look at the risk-reward. You know, is the risk... Uh, great enough, um, or like, is the reward great enough to take on the risk? You got to look at that. You got to analyze that. But I think coaches are, are punting way too often. Um, I think coaches will go for two more often than they do. And I think when they go for two, they should go for two earlier than they do and not wait until the last possible second to do so. Um, and I know those are very analytical ways of viewing the game, um, but I think they make sense, and I think there is clear evidence that that is the way to go. And honestly, I just think football coaches are too conservative, um, and, and too often coaches make very bad decisions. Football coaches are some of the worst decision makers in the history of the world. Like, just being completely honest, um, if you want to see a bad decision, go watch a football game. And you'll probably see one made by a, a, a head coach. Because head coaches just, for whatever reason, make terrible de- decisions all the time. I was watching a, a college football game this week. I was watching Western Kentucky and Indiana. And at one point, Indiana 
has the ball late in the fourth quarter, and they're down by like, they're down by like a touchdown or something, and there's like four minutes left in the game or something. Let me actually look. I, I'm actually not gonna look. It's not that important. But and and they ended up punting, and it made no sense for them to punt. They punted late in the game. They were down a touchdown. They needed to score. They like they had to score, and they ended up punting. And decisions like that just like make my blood boil. It infuriates me because it makes zero sense. Coaches, please be more aggressive and stop making terrible decisions. All right, rant over. Now let's move on. Uh, talk about Amon Ross St. Brown going off versus the Washington Commanders. Uh, this this weekend, the Lions beat the Commanders. 36-27, the score was a lot closer than, than the game actually was. And I want to talk about, uh, specifically, Amon Ross St. Brown, who was remarkable, recording nine receptions for 116 yards and two touchdowns. He also had two carries for 68 yards. He was so good that he led the Lions in receiving and rushing, which is incredible. Um, he was awesome. He's been really good this year. Um, and he was really good at the end of the season last year. Amon Ross St. Brown is quickly becoming a star in the NFL. He had a rough start to his rookie season last year. The first 12 games, he wasn't very productive. He was averaging less than 40 yards per game. But in the last six games of the season, his usage went up tremendously. He was getting like 10, tar 10 targets every game. And the production skyrocketed as he averaged over 90 receiving yards over the last six games of the year. And that production and that usage has continued into this year as he's getting around like 10 targets every game. And in this game, he showed that he has the potential to be one of the better receivers in the NFL. Right now, he is top 10 in receiving yards. Um, and he has been absolutely incredible. Actually, I want to look at it. He may be just outside the top 10 in receiving yards. I want to look real quick. Let me see. Let's go to Pro Football Reference. Look at the receiving yards leaders. At one point, he was number 8, but that was before the Monday night games. So we'll see um, where he stands in terms of total receiving yards. Let's look. Let's filter. So right now, he is... He is number 10, so he is still top 10. He is number 10 in total receiving yards, um, and he, he's just been incredible so far. I love Amon Ross St. Brown. I'm in a fantasy league with some friends from college. Um, and it's a keeper league, and I drafted Amon Ross St. Brown late in the draft, and I, I just absolutely love that because he's been incredible. And this week, I had him and I had Tyreek Hill, and both of those guys went off for over 30 points, and I won despite having Trey Lance as my starting quarterback. Trey Lance got hurt. Speaking of that, prayers up for Trey Lance. He broke it, or he fractured his ankle. Uh, I hope he has a speedy recovery from that. Um, that was an awful injury, but yeah, Amon Ross St. Brown, he's been awesome this year, and, and I love him. I think he is just so, so good. Another guy I want to talk about for this game is Aiden Hutchinson, the rookie edge rusher who was unreal. He had three sacks, two tackles for loss, and three quarterback hits, all coming in the first half, or at least the three sacks. He had three sacks in the first half. He was just absolutely incredible in this game, super productive. Shout out to Aiden Hutchinson. 
This is the kind of performance that'll get him the rookie of the year, the defensive rookie of the year. What a strong performance from him. And what a strong a strong performance from the Lions. They just dominated the commanders. Like I mentioned earlier, like I know the score was tight, but this was not a tight game. And they dominated the commanders. They were awesome. Alright. Now let's move on to arguably the game of the week. As the Dolphins shocked the Ravens with a wild fourth quarter comeback. So the Dolphins beat the Ravens this weekend, winning 42-38. to The Ravens were rolling for most of this game, as they had a 34-14 lead in the third quarter. The Dolphins proceeded to go off, though, scoring five touchdowns for 35 points in the second half. They were actually down 38 to 35 in the last minute of the game before they drove before the Dolphins drove down the field and Tua threw the game-winning touchdown to Jalen Waddle. Now I want to look at the Bucks score real quick because Tua, um, Tyreek, and Jalen Waddle combined for a ridiculous day. Like they were crazy good. Uh, let's look at the Bucks score real quick. Let me pull it up. Let me find it. So, um, t- uh, let me talk about Tua real quick. Tua was incredible. He threw the ball 50 times, and he had 469 passing yards, 6 touchdowns, and 2 interceptions. Um, and then, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Water were just absolutely ridiculous. Tyreek Hill had 11 catches for 190 yards and 2 touchdowns, and Jalen Waddle had 11 catches for 171 yards and 2 touchdowns. Both of those guys went off. They destroyed the Ravens secondary. They were incredible. This was a very strong performance from them. Shout out to those guys. They were incredible. Um, and the Ravens, they had a couple strong individual performances as well. I mean, they scored 38 points. Their offense was very good in this game. Lamar Jackson was great. He had 318 passing yards, three touchdowns, zero picks. Also got sacked zero times. Um, he also added nine carries for 119 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown. He was great in this game. Uh, Rashad Bateman, the second-year receiver, played very well. He had four receptions for 108 receiving yards and one receiving touchdown. He did, he did have a, slant, a long uh, a long touchdown, um, a 75-yard touchdown that he scored early in this game. He had a slant, which he took 75 yards, and that, like, the speed that he showed on that play was ridiculous. I didn't know he had burners like that. That was very impressive. And then Mark Andrews played good as well. He had nine catches for 104 yards and one touchdown. He was very good. Um, there weren't, weren't too many like great perfor- individual performances in this game. Um, I'm trying to see, did anybody have any interceptions? Um, Marcus Williams had, he had two picks, so he, had, he actually had a strong performance for the Ravens. He was good. Um, but nobody from the Dolphins really played particularly well defensively. Um, but this was, this was a crazy win, uh, a crazy comeback for the Dolphins and a big win for them. They are now, they're undefeated, right? Yeah, they are 2-0 and on the year, uh, with a big win versus the, uh, the Ravens. And they had a big win, uh, a big divisional win, uh, in week one as they beat the Patriots. They actually dominated the Patriots in that game. So shout out to the Dolphins. They're having a great start to the year, and this was a massive win for them. All right, now let's move on and close out this podcast by talking about the Cardinals who took down the Raiders in an overtime thriller on Sunday. 
This was a crazy game. The Cardinals won 29-23. The Raiders were running the show in the first half as they led 20-0 at the half. However, the second half was all Cardinals as they went on a 23-3 run to send the game to overtime. The Cardinals' last drive was insane as they scored a touchdown on fourth and goal and then converted a two-point conversion to tie the game. In overtime, the Cardinals actually got the ball first, but they failed to score. Um, they had a, a third a third down at one point. Um, where or I, I, Was it third down or fourth down? Let me look. Let me look real quick. I'm trying to remember what down it was on that play. Let me see. Let me find it. All right, so I got the play-by-play. Um, let me see. So it was actually fourth and one. So they had a fourth and one on their on their first possession of overtime, and they threw the ball deep to Marquise Brown, and Marquise Brown had the had, wow I hit the mic had the ball in his hands, but he ended up uh, getting hit late and he dropped the ball, um, leading to a turnover on downs. The Raiders had the ball in great field position, um, and early on that drive for them, um, Hunter Renfro fumbled the ball, but he uh, he was I think he was down, he was down. But he fumbled a second time. This time he wasn't down. And uh, Byron Murphy recovered the ball, took it into the end zone for a touchdown, and that ended the game. But something really weird happened. Um, As he crossed the goal line, he threw the football. And it appeared that he may have thrown the ball before he crossed the goal line. There, There wasn't any sufficient evidence to show that he did throw the football before he crossed the goal line. But I'm telling you, it was super close, and if you watch the game, you'll know what I'm talking about. Like, it was crazy, um, a wild play, but this was a big win for the Cardinals. The Cardinals just got absolutely destroyed by the Chiefs in week one, um, so they needed a, a win like this uh, to come back from that, and this was a nice comeback win for them, uh, winning 29-23 in overtime. They're now 1-1 one one in the season, and the, and the Raiders I feel bad for them. They're a good team, but they've had a like they've had a, a crazy start to the schedule. They played the Chargers in Week One, um, and now they played the Cardinals in Week Two. That's a hard schedule right there. Um, but now they're zero two on the season. They have yet to win a game. Um, I I still think they're a good team, uh, but they got to get things going um, starting now. Like they need to get things starting started uh, now because they're in a, a tough division. Probably the toughest division in the NFL. Um, and they they got to get things going and get a win under the, under their belt. But shout out to the Cardinals and shout out to, to Kyler Murray. He made a lot of big plays in this game. He was absolutely ridiculous. Also, want to mention Devontae Adams, who was a ghost in this game. Um, he wasn't very productive um, like he usually is. He He's usually a high-volume machine, but he was not that in this game. But shout out to the Cardinals. This was a huge win for them. Um, and the fact that they came back in this game and won in overtime is crazy. But that's all I have uh, to talk about today for this podcast episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. Um, if you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Ryan McCrary. That's the R-Y-A-N. M-C-C-R-A-R-Y. If you want to check out my, you can check out my YouTube channel at The Wire. You can check out my TikTok page at the.wire.sports. Um, you can check out my website at thewiresports.com. Um, I'm actually 
I'm going to be posting an article this week about how Darius Slay shut down the Minnesota, uh, shut down Justin Jefferson on Monday Night Football. Uh, those were two games I didn't really talk about this week. Uh, neither game was very good. That's why I didn't talk about them. Uh, but the Vikings did, uh, sorry, the Eagles did beat the Vikings at home. Or, or did beat the Vikings on Monday Night Football. I don't know if it was a home game for them. And then the Bills destroyed the Titans. Huge win for them and a huge win for the Eagles. But yeah, that's all I have to talk about today. Hope you all enjoyed it. And I will see you all next time. Peace.